Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a Pen and a Napkin podcast, a weekly coaching clinic you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome back to the coaching staff, episode number 33. And Mr. Tony Viss, how are you this fine evening? I'm doing well, Marty. I mean, we've got 80 degrees here in eastern Iowa, and it is... I don't know. We we jumped right right over spring, and I think maybe heading to summer. But yeah. uh, it's just beautiful outside. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna take uh, the dog for a walk after school today, and it was just literally too hot for. Now he's twelve and a half. He's four and a half. Hey, let's gut it out here, buddy. But yep. twelve and a half. You know, you know that that ship has sailed a little bit for the Chuckster. So, um, so yeah, it's it's awesome. It's it's gonna take a little downturn here in a day or two, but that's. Such is life. We'll we'll work our way through it. I'm just glad that there's no snow. That you know, everything is everything is is up uh, as far as the weather. Everything's much better. So, uh, episode thirty three, Mister Viss. I've got three, six, nine. I've got fourteen uniform numbers for you tonight, sir. Four. It's thirty three. And let me see here. One, two, three, four. Five, six, seven, eight of them are hoopsters. So, and and I and I've kind of figured this out, Tony. Um, I I think for this this little gimmick here, I, I think I've come up with a new, uh, uh, what would you call it? The, the, a way to get in the door. All right. Okay. You got to be in the Hall of Fame. Oh. You got to okay. you got to be in your your sports Hall of Fame. So, uh, whether that's college basketball, you know, and I guess these are all professionals. Uh, that I got here, so I, I guess I could have expanded it to college basketball, but we're we're gonna leave it with professionals, uh, with all these sports here. So, you want to give it a go, buddy? Yeah. All right. Let's go. We'll go hoops first. Okay. Larry Bird. Correct. Uh, let's go Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Correct. Um. Now, now the fun begins. Um. Patrick Ewing. Patrick Ewing. Correct, and it counts. That's yes. a good Marv Albert. Yes. Two minutes uh, and 24 seconds into the podcast, and Marv makes his appearance. <laughs> um, shoot. Now yeah. I'm on the, on the struggle bus here. You're three for three. Yeah, but it might be three out of eight when we uh, get done here. <laughs> Uh, the ultimate Batman, or I'm sorry, the ultimate Robin to Batman. Oh, Scotty Pippen. There you go. Four for four. Um, let me hear. Uh, oh, okay. Let's see. Did you listen to any of our film room podcasts? I have not yet. Okay. So, uh, okay. So, Jesus Shuttlesworth was named after this legendary guard. We're talking Ray Allen? No, Ray Allen played Jesus Shuttlesworth. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, according to Denzel Washington in the movie, huh? I am not going to get that one. Played unless for, we're going, played for two franchises: the Baltimore Bullets and the New York Knickerbockers. Clyde Frazier, incorrect. Ooh, his backcourt mate. Ooh, who played in the backcourt? Oh, Earl Monroe. There you go. There's five. Um. Made the pass on the most famous shot in college basketball history. Grant Hill. Six. Um, went to the same college as Patrick Ewing. 
Uh, we go on Alonzo morning? Bread with Mutambo, yes, that's Alonzo morning. Yes, throw Mutambo balls. <laughs> I have problems. And the last one here, Michael Jordan's favorite player as a child. I'm drawing a blank on that one. The original Skywalker. David Thompson. There you go. All right. Uh, baseball. One, two, three of them. Two of them in the Hall of Fame for the right reasons. One of them in the Hall of Fame for the wrong reasons. Busted the door wide open on the steroid era. That's the wrong one. That's the wrong one. <laughs> er. Um... Member of the Oakland A's? Correct. Jose Canseco. That's one. Both of these gentlemen, these last two, switch hitters. And they both played for the Baltimore Orioles. Orioles. Sorry, folks. We got a lot of 33s to go through. So if 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 you if you get bored with this, you can fast forward through it. But this is fun for us. You know, so uh Orioles switch hitter. Fred Lynn? No. Yep. Um, probably not Brooks Robinson. Nope, but you got the last name correct. Frank Robinson. Frank Robinson. And the other one played with Cal Ripken Jr. Best player to play with Cal Ripken Jr. Best player on the Orioles besides Cal. Switch hitter. Three seconds. I'm not going to get that one. Sorry. Eddie, Eddie Murray. Oh, duh. Eddie, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. All right. Then how many football we got? Two running backs. Tony Dorsett. Yep. And? He grew up in your neck of the woods, but played at Nebraska. Roger, no. Is it Roger Craig? Roger Craig. And then one hockey goalie. He was good enough at hockey that even I knew this name. Goalie. Patrick Patrick Waugh? Patrick Waugh. There it is. You knocked them all off, buddy. I didn't get Eddie Murray. Oh, you got a you got a lot right. Okay. Yeah, you got a lot right. You did good. I you know I'd give you a solid I'd give you a solid B on that quiz. You know <laughs> you missed a couple along the way, but there was a couple tough ones there. So, all right. Uh, yeah, that was that was six six minutes of people's lives that they won't get back, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into exit interviews. And and probably by this time, uh, a lot of coaches have done their exit interviews already. Uh, if you're still in the process, it's not necessarily a bad thing, uh, especially if you're like a college coach. Uh, but, uh, you know, we might be a little bit late to the game on this one for this year. But for next year, um, you know, it's 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 take some notes on it. Tuck it away. Think about it when, when you're doing your, your spring or I'm sorry, not your spring, your fall entrance interviews when you're getting ready for the season. Maybe take some of the things that we end up talking about here tonight and and bringing that into it. Uh, but Tony and I thought it'd be good to talk about exit interviews. And yeah, we'll, we'll roll from there. So uh, Tony, you want to get it started here this week? Yeah, I'll start with this. Um, you know, obviously I've been a part of the pod for a while, but before I came on and, and did this with you, I would listen to yours as you would do, you know, your individual weekly ones, whether it was coaching interviews or whatever the case may be. And I'll be honest with you, my all-time favorite pod that you've ever done was when you had your former players on oh. and you did kind of this thing 
with them. Uh-huh. And I just thought that was a really, really good one because it gave perspective in terms of why we really coach. And, you know, Marty, we've, we've talked a little bit about, you know, different things that we've done in our careers and different struggles and stuff like that. And uh, five, six years ago, I think it was six now, um, I stopped being a head varsity coach yep. and went to Mount Vernon, uh, was an assistant for both the boys and the girls there for a year. And it was really, really interesting to go from, you know, being the bad cop and kind of looking at things from 94,000 feet to maybe being a little bit more in the weeds all the time, uh, talking to the players and building relationships. And I don't know how long it took, but about that time, the light bulb came on and it registered with me. The reason I got into coaching, however many years ago it was, was due to the relationships with the players. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that I want to make sure when, when people are done playing for me is that, you know, just, just having that opportunity to appreciate them in terms of that relationship that you built with them. And, and now I'm in a different position than what it was. Cause I mean, when I was a varsity coach, you may end up coming and playing for me for four years, depending or two or three mm-hmm. or whatever the case may be. And now in the role that I have, I get them for a year, maybe two, mm-hmm. two, at, two at the most. And so, you know, it's a, it's a shorter time, but then as they go up to play, you know, JV or varsity, um, I'm not there as often during the regular season, but once the postseason rolls around, then I hop back in and it's, you know, a little bit different role there again, where, you know, it's about being more of the good cop and, you know, just building those relationships with them. And so I guess in a long winded sort of way, what I'm saying is that in that exit interview, a part of what I want to make sure that I do is let them know how much I appreciate them and the relationship that we have going forward is going to be one that's going to be there for a long time that just because they're done playing for me or done playing high school basketball doesn't mean the relationship is over if they ever need advice if they ever you know come to a game and want to swing by the bench you know and and different things like that that our our relationship our friendship is is good for a long period of time and Mm so that's something that i really really enjoy about coaching is that relationship side of things where you get to be a part of their lives and hopefully make a difference in their lives, but build that relationship going forward where you're not just there as a, as a basketball coach, but you're there as a mentor. Mm-hmm. I, the, the line I use, Tony, is uh, I don't want to have a four-year relationship with you. I want to have a 40-year relationship with you. Yep. Um, now, at my current age, I hope I still have 40-year relationships, <laughs> you know, uh, that, that, that clock is starting to tick a little bit here. Uh, but, uh, that, yeah, that's the line I use. And, and I really appreciate that. Um, you know, you know, with, with that particular pod, uh, one of my players, Tara, she kept bothering me to come on, come on, let us on your pod. No, no way. No, I'm not letting you on. And, and finally I was like, ah, oh, you know, what the heck? And, and that was, that was, um, I, I don't, I don't, it, it was on the Mount Rushmore for me, for sure. And it was just a great mm-hmm. night. Uh, it was the perfect night, and uh, we, we we had a blast doing that. And and I think that's that's what you want. And and I think part of building that trust, building that relationship, does happen in that exit interview. And I, I think that uh, there are times where you go through an exit interview, and this has happened to me. You know, Tony, you and I are experienced. 
some of these exit interviews are awkward. Some of these exit mm-hmm. interviews, you, you have a, uh, even if they're a freshman or, a, you know, you have a sophomore or a junior that has higher expectations and you have to, again, be transparent. And we'll talk about this here in a little bit, but um, some of those, some of those exit interviews are hard. They're difficult. And, but there are times where five years after they're done or 10 years after they're done, you get that, Hey, I get it now, coach. I get what you're saying. I understand. And they, they don't appreciate the honesty in the short term, but they'll appreciate the honesty in the long term if you handle your exit interviews the right way. A pen and a napkin university videos are just another way that a pen and a napkin can help you become a better coach. Our university video library is constantly expanding with topics ranging from interviewing for a job to full court defense to 25 universal truths about coaching. Our university videos will help you round out your skill set as a coach and help you hone your craft. Videos are $10 a piece with bundling options available. To order, you can DM me on Twitter, send me an email at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com, or order from our website, a pen and a napkin.com. Be sure to check out the A Pen and a Napkin video library. So, yes. Um, yeah. So I'll uh, I'll get going here on something here, Tony. Um, I think that's really important that if you are going to do exit interviews or even preseason interviews, uh, if you're going to meet with one kid formally, you need to meet with every kid formally. Uh, exit interviews, and, and I'm kind of 50-50. I see the benefits of having a formal sit-down with your seniors. I also see there's times where you're just going to be spinning your wheels as well. I, I think with my seniors, I tend to be more of, hey, you know, why don't you come in? Like if I've got a kid that's going to play college ball, let's sit down and let's talk about that on a more informal basis, not signing it up and filling out a form or something like that. Um, for me, the exit interview um, is to talk about what's upcoming for our program and and for you as an individual. And then we build on that, that final meeting, that personal relationship, a little bit more informally. That's just me. But, but if you have uh, – so, so the way we handle it is we have a meeting. Who, whoever's interested in playing this summer, come on in, so forth and so on. Every returner that's there, they get a, a form and they sign up for a meeting to talk about where they're they're going to be, you know, and, and, and we'll get into the details of it here in a little bit. Uh, but uh, I, some people do sit down and have formal sit-downs with their seniors. I've done that in the past. There's times I haven't done it in the past. I, I've kind of settled on not having that formal sit-down and, and making it more informal and more personal with the, the seniors just because there is no, uh, I guess, what would be the word? Um, we're, we're not talking about their playing time. We're not talking about their station on the team anymore, where they fit on the ladder, their role in that regard. Uh, let's move on from that, and let's just let's just start developing that next part of our relationship. And for me, and then, again, this is just me, that's more done in an in, informal manner than it is a formal manner of a formal sit-down meeting. It's like, okay, now let's change what we talk about. Oh, yeah, just me. So your thoughts on that, Tony? I think it's good. Um, the thing I would, would ask a little bit too, um, you know, you're talking about like chance to come in and sit down and talk and stuff. Do you ever do like a form with them? Yep. Um, you know, like a Google form where you ask, you know, open-ended questions or whatever and, and get feedback from them that way where they can maybe, you know, cause 
obviously there's nothing hanging over their head, so to speak, Mm -hmm. but it allows them to maybe be a little bit more, uh, you know, freeze the right word, but Mm -hmm. you know, not having to see it maybe to your face type of thing. Mm -hmm. No, I I've never done the informal thing because to to me, and again, this this is just the way my brain works. This is just what I think. I and, and I understand the inform informality uh, or doing something informal and anonymous. But I also think I also believe that let's develop the type of relationship that where you and I can just talk, and and I've got to be able to deliver that. If you're critical of me, and believe me, this this spring I had I had a few players that were critical of some of the things that we did, uh, which is okay, and and. You, you, you take it, you, you roll with it, uh, you've asked their opinions, you've got to value their opinions, you've got to listen to their opinions, um, you know, when you feel it's appropriate, you, you talk about, well, you know, we're kind of thinking of this and this, but I understand where you're coming from, and we're going to try, you know, and that type of thing. Um, I, I've never been a big fan of the anonymous type of thing when it, when it comes uh-huh. to those situations, because I feel like... Um, you know, I don't get to anonymously criticize the players. I'm expected to be transparent and direct with them. So let's build a relationship where they can be transparent and direct with me and not have it be a threatening thing that our communication okay. and our transparency is at a really, really positive level. That, And, and I try to tell them all the time, hey, I'm going to make mistakes. If I make mistakes, come talk to me. If I goof something up, if you think we can do something better, come talk to me. And, and I... And and then I try to back that up not only with words but actions. So that's just again that's just me, Tony. That's the way my brain works. Well, I, I think it's important that way. And, and the reason why I was asking is I just remembered a while back, you know, talking about how sports and having conversations like what you're talking about go hand in hand in terms of their development as an adult mm-hmm. because they're going to have to be able to advocate on their own behalf. That's going to be a skill that they're going to need in the adult world. And, you know, if people, because I think we have, and I'm not trying to say, you know, this is what happens in your program, but people can be the tough behind the keyboard, you know, yes. where they can yep. type things up and, and different things like that. And I think that's kind of the world that we live in with, you know, the social media stuff and different things like that. But sports is a safe place. And if you're doing things like you're talking about building the relationship the right way, you can have that constructive conversation that back and forth and i think it's you know refreshing that you know you and and, and i hope all coaches do this but we don't have all the answers and empowering a kid to feel free to share what they think i mean you may not do what they're saying but you're showing that you at least respect them enough to listen to it Mm -hmm. and again i think you're creating that safe space if you will um to where they can learn to have that tough adult conversation that they're going to have to develop that skill later on in life, whether it's an employee, you know, a spouse, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And, and, you know, you, it, it, if you, it's, it's about, like you said, Tony, accountability and we're, we're teaching them life skills through basketball, or if you're a football coach, listen to this through football, you know, so what's going to be more effective for them 10, 15 years down the road from now, if they have an issue with their boss, fill out an anonymous Google form or be able to say, hey, Fred, you know, 
can I sit down and talk with you here? I, I, there's a couple of things I want to articulate to you and teach them through this process of how to talk to their quote unquote superior in a positive way to get the, to to get their point across. Understand that you know a good boss will will listen to them. They'll hear them out. They may agree. They may disagree. I tell my players all the time: come talk to me about anything that you want to, uh, and you know that's that's fine. We'll talk about it. I'm not I I'm not always going to agree with you, but I will always always listen to you. And again, you can you could say that, but then I think the biggest thing that we as adults struggle with sometimes as coaches is we don't follow through with that. And uh-huh. and then and if you blow off the kid when they're trying to talk to you as you know in a situation that we're talking about in an exit interview or a one-on-one conversation during in the gym or whatever it may be, um they're not they're going to they're going to shut you off. They're going and and that's that's even worse. That's that's the uh-huh. worst thing that can happen. You know, so uh, I, I think this is the value of sport. It's, it's an under, it's, it's something everybody focuses on the jump shot and the, but, but here's how you build leaders. And, and if you're building leaders on your, on your athletic teams or your activities teams, these are leaders. These are people that are going to go out and do great things in the world or whatever they choose to do. And I think we have to teach them that in, in that way. And, and through these exit meetings, we, we do that. We, we try to do that. And I think that's a big part of our responsibility. So Marty, have you have you ever heard uh, of Ed Thomas? Ed, Tom- yeah, yeah, oh yeah, I had his son yeah. on. I had his son and on the pod. Yeah, I think it was one of the best quotes. You know, if all I've ever taught you is football, I failed you. Mm-hmm. And I think that as a coach, you know, a lot of times that's what we want to focus on. We want to focus on X and O's, and we want to, you know, impact the physical. Um, but at the same time, there's so much more to help them to develop and challenge them mentally, help them become thinkers. I think Coach Popovich with the Spurs, what he does with his guys in terms of books and different things there and how he, you know, challenges their, you know, them to think. I think Steve Kerr is another one. And I think he learned that from Pop, you know, and, and you go through and just the way that you can reach them. And I think a lot of times, you know, we were, we were talking about this in my government class today. It's okay to disagree or agree to disagree, mm-hmm. but you can't be disagreeable. And I think that's the climate that we've gotten into, whether it is politics or sports or whatever the case may be, is that it's okay to agree to disagree. We may not see the thing the same way, but we can still value each other and still be friends. And, you know, even though we don't quite see something the exact same way. Yeah. I, 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 that is, that is a, a lost art, my friend. That is a lost art to a, agree to disagree. And, you know, I think people sometimes are stunned. And I'll get to a point where I could see, you know, youth program or, or something dealing with a parent in, in class, you know. Uh, and after a short time, and it becomes pretty evident that, okay, this is kind of not going anywhere. So, you know, hey, you know what? I, I'm sorry. We're just going to have to agree to disagree. Hey, mm-hmm. are you are you ready to move on? You know, is there anything else you'd like to talk about? And and I think people are 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 kind of stunned that well, no, we, we haven't decided. You haven't changed, and I haven't changed, so we got to keep talking about this. No, it's okay. Uh, yeah, y- you know, you and I can agree to disagree on what defenses we should run or what offenses we should run, and and neither. I, I think so often uh, we run into situations where I'm not wrong and you're not right. It's just mm-hmm. different, you know, and that's okay. That's okay. We all have our strengths. We all have our weaknesses. And when you're talking to your players, it's okay to dis- agree to disagree on 
how something may have happened. And, and I, and I think that is, I think that's a lost art, Tony. Uh, and again, those keyboard warriors and in the environment that our kids have grown up with, well, I've got to keep posting or doing whatever until you see things my way or until there's some resolution. Sometimes there isn't a resolution and you just got to kind of roll with it and learn how to roll with it. And I think that's Mm -hmm. kind of a lost art as well. So, yeah. And that's, that's, that's life. I mean, whether you take a look, like we mentioned earlier with your employer, you know, you just might agree to disagree and it's okay. It doesn't mean that they're the worst person in the world. You know, like I said, we were talking about this in government. I said, you know, I think a lot of us in here, we have a really good relationship, but you know, it, like anything, if you hop on an airplane and you start talking politics with your seatmate and the next thing you know, you find that you, you know, are of different political parties that can shut the conversation down in a heartbeat. And that's an unfortunate thing. I mean, because just because somebody, you know, maybe has a little bit different viewpoint on, you know, since we're talking basketball on what's the best defense or what's the best offense to run or, you know, what needs to be emphasized or whatever, it doesn't make them your mortal enemy. Mm -hmm. You you can agree to disagree and move forward and do the best you can and keep your relationship. It can still be okay. Yep. Yep. Um, Here's another thing that that I I wrote down here for tonight, uh, Tony. Um, Let them talk. Let them talk, as we talked about. Uh, Here's here's what I put. Ask short questions and push for long answers. And and I think when you're you're talking with your kids, when you're sitting down with your kids, try to keep your questions short and succinct, but keep trying to pull as much information out of your kids – as as you can, and and the great question, well, why, you know, mm-hmm. you know, why, what what's going on there? How do you, you know, why do you feel like that? Is there anybody else that feels that way? What do you think about this? You know, short questions and push for long answers to get as much out of your players, so you can get as much details, and they're controlling the conversation. Yes, and I, I go back to what you were talking about earlier. You know, they need to be listened to. You know, and I think that makes a person feel valuable when you take the time to listen to them mm-hmm. and to affirm them. Um, you know, it kind of reminds me, you know, of the old phrase, now what, so what? And so, you know, you've you've made this declarative statement. And like you're saying, you know, what would you do differently? Are there other people that feel that way? Why? You know, you just get them to keep advancing it. Yeah, short questions, they get a long response. And just that, just try to find that common ground to understand them better as an athlete, what motivates them as a person, and, and different things that go along those lines. But those that's, that's a really, really good piece of advice. Mm-hmm. What else you got, buddy? You know, um, when, you, when you go into that, that exit interview, you know, one of the things is you have to be able to, uh, you know, what, what do we do well that you like? And give them a chance to, to do that and why, explain it a little bit. And then what would you do differently? Mm-hmm. What do we do that, that we need to do better at? And be open to that, to hearing some things and then get an action plan. And if it warrants it, make changes. Because if it's a, if it's a consistent theme with all of the players, yeah. then that's something you've got to dig deep into and go further with it than just kind of giving it lip service type thing where they're, they're, you got to have an action plan and how you're going to move forward. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, I agree with that, Tony. I, I, and, I, and I think kind of related to that, Tony, um, be ready for about anything and, <clears throat> and don't overreact to anything. Uh, you know, just be ready. You got to put on your best uh, Perry Mason lawyer face and just be, you know, you got to prepare yourself because we have a perspective as, again, I'm going to use air quotes, experienced coaches. But we don't have the perspective of a 14 to 17 or 18 year old kid. And so uh, when they pull something out and initially you're like, what in the world are you talking about, Pete? You know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you know, be prepared for them to throw about anything at you and don't overreact to anything. Uh, just hear them out again. Listen, uh, stay locked in. Another thing I had, uh, don't be distracted with anything else. You know, you have to remain engaged. It, it, it could be the worst player that you've ever coached. I mean, the absolute worst. But for this next 10 to 20 minutes, they deserve every single bit of your attention and energy to what they're saying because it's important to them. And you want them to f- feel valued. And, and one of the things I wrote down, Tony, it's a great opportunity to build trust. And you have to treat every player the same. You have to bring in the same... Uh, attention to detail and enthusiasm to every one of your exit interviews as as you possibly can from the best player to the worst player in your program yeah if they've given you four years because i mean we're i'm taking it from your perspective as a you know exit interview of a senior if Mm -hmm. they've given you four years you can give them you know 20 minutes and be where your feet are be present where your feet are and make sure that you are listening and giving them you know, like you said, your best. And I 100% agree. And then the other thing that you touched on that was really good, have thick skin. Don't become emotional. It's, it, you know, it's one of those things where is it worth winning an argument and losing the player? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you aren't thick-skinned, if you don't listen within 48 seconds of leaving your room, who are they talking to? Their friends. Their friends and their teammates, right? And their parents. And yeah. their parents, yeah. So you, you've got to handle that situation. And again, that's where I say, you know, be prepared for about anything and don't overreact to, to anything. Listen, hear them out, so forth and so on. Even if you think it's the craziest thought that anybody could ever come up with, um, hear them out, you know. Um, I got a couple more things here, Tony. Um you want me to roll through them? Yeah, let's go through them. All right. Uh, two more things. Number one, uh, if possible, have an assistant coach in the room with you. Now, I don't think it's good to have, you know, uh, the Supreme Court. And if you've got, if you're one of those coaching staffs that has like six assistant coaches, um, don't have all six of them in there with you as you're talking to one kid. Uh, mm-hmm. they're, they're they're not they're not arguing a, a briefing in in front of the Supreme Court of the United States of America here. Uh, you know, have one assistant coach in there with you, maybe two at the most. But you need to make this situation comfortable for the player as well. But at the same time, you've got to cover your own stuff. And if the player comes back and coach, you know, coach called me blankety blank and he laughed at me. No, no, no. Uh, Coach Smith was was there, and and she said that that you know that obviously did not happen. You know, Coach was very respectful. He didn't laugh at you. He didn't do this. He didn't do that. You know, so forth and so on. So I think that's good. And also, I uh, I had my uh, varsity assistant with me, and in about four or five of our meetings, 
she brought up some stuff that I hadn't even thought about to, to, to discuss with the players that were really, really good things, that were really good things. I was like, yeah, you know what? Yep, we, we, you know, I, I didn't think about addressing that with with this player. Uh, but I, I, you know, and she did a, you know, Ginger did a terrific job with that. So I, I think that it's, it's good that they're in the meeting with you as well. Um, the other thing that I had, Tony, and, and I'll end on this. Um, if you got something else, obviously we could throw it out there. Uh, have feedback ready for your players. Uh, for our kids, what I do is I have uh, a sheet and they have three things that they have done well for us. And for some of them, it's it's skill oriented. For others, it's uh, just you know being a great teammate, this, that, the other thing, whatever it may be. Um, and then I have, and this is a, a thing that I got from Mike Neighbors. I used to have three things that they've done well, three things that I want them to work on in the off season. Well, let's just focus on one thing and and correct that one thing instead of trying to do two, three, four different weaknesses. Let's let's focus much more on their strengths than their weaknesses. But here's the one thing that we really need you to work on here in the off season, Billy. So. Uh, really work on this. This is going to be the thing that you're going to need to do to uh, make the next step. If you're a JV kid that wants varsity minutes next year, here's the one thing that's holding you back. You got to get better at this. And for some kids, it's pretty broad. It, uh, you know, uh, you know, focus on your ball skills. If you have a player that's not very skilled, it's you know, focus on your ball skills. Uh, that's you know, you've got to get better with the ball in your hands and. Uh, and for other players, sometimes it's it's more specific. Some for some players, it's really really specific, uh, and so it depends on each kid. But we have that piece of player, walk through it with them, and the last thing I always tell them is, "Is this fair? Is this fair what I'm giving you here?" And almost always is, "Yeah, coach, you know this looks really good. This this is really fair, you know." Um, so that they have something in hand walking out of there going, okay, this is what coach. These are all the good things that coach sees in me. Here's something I need to get better at. And here's and now, boom! I'm ready to start with my off season. I like it. The only other thing I would would add, um, you know, taking a look at it too, if it is a senior that graduates, um, and you're doing that exit interview from the program type of perspective, one of the things I would do is to thank them, and yep. then along those same lines, give them specific things that you are grateful for that they brought, and make it meaningful. Um, you know, cause I think that, that really helps things too, you know, no matter if the, the exit interview went great, if it was kind of a, a dud or whatever, just thank them and make sure you, you communicate with them what exactly you were grateful for that they brought. Maybe like you mentioned, might've been, you know, uh, their, their attitude, their energy, being a good teammate, whatever, whatever the case may be. But I think those, those are important to, to share with them as well. Mm-hmm. Coaches are absolutely loving our taking over a new program booklet. As many of you know, I spent two years outside of coaching, and during that time, I hung a note card in my workspace at school that said, Strip the house down to the studs. I took that time to really rethink and reorganize my thoughts on what it takes to run a transformational program. As I prepared for the possibility of coaching again, I organized these thoughts into this 96-page booklet. How much do I trust this booklet? I used this booklet as I went on interviews to help sell myself and my vision for what my new program would look like. If I'm using it to sell myself, why wouldn't I recommend it to you, my listeners? This booklet will help you look at any part of your program, 
no matter what stage you're at in your program, and help improve it in some way. It's all yours for only $15, which includes shipping and handling. For more information, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Tony, the Fort Calhoun area is still recovering from the great show that Europe put on after the third annual Pen and Agapping and Coaches Clinic. Great, great stuff. Uh, yeah, just, un, you know, just again, people are speechless in awe of the show that they put on. Uh, but it's time for trivia, my friend. It is time for trivia. And this week, it is your turn. Have you have you come up with something here in the last 35 minutes or so, Tony? I have it. I'm sure it'll be of stellar quality. But you ready? I I was. I'm born ready, buddy. Born. All right, we're making a two parter. Oh, okay. First part. How many thirty plus point a game scores did the NBA have this season? Ooh. And where does that number rank all time in its history? So I think I just heard this on one of the podcasts I listened to. It might be Brian Windhorse. All right. Embiid. Oh, you don't have to name. Them. I, I know, but I'm it. for for my own purposes. Okay, okay. all right. Okay. I so know you're, you're you're thorough. Embiid. Um, SGA. Um, Giannis. I think Lillard averaged thirty a game. And LeBron. Did I say I said okay? So Embiid, Giannis, LeBron. SGA, Lillard, I don't think Curry averaged 30 a game. My first guess for the night is going to be, I, I think I'm missing somebody. So I'm going to say six, Tony. Six is correct. Yes, and it counts. Who uh, uh, did, I, did I get a lot of The second half was okay. where does it rank all time? I'm going to say in the early 60s they might have had like like there was that scoring explosion where Wilt was averaging like 50 some you know 50 a game i think it was like like 1962 so i'm going to say it's like the 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 second most ever to like one of those early 60s seasons you're incorrect on that one dang it is it the most ever it tied for the most you are correct oh okay and i looked him up just to just to make sure i was being fair here okay um, Embiid, 33.1. Yep. Luka Doncic, oh, 32.4. Forgot about Luka. You did get Lillard with 32, 32.2. Okay. Mr. G- Mr. Sh- uh, Gilgis Alexander, yeah. 31.4. Don't hurt yourself on Giannis, that one, buddy. Giannis, 31.1. Yep. And our sixth one, Jason Tatum, 30.1. Oh, okay. All right. I thought and it might have been. LeBron just missed it. He was... 28-9. Oh, okay. I thought the sixth one might have been Brad Lohoff. Well, it was either him or Les Jepsen. <laughs> Wade looking, Bill? He was close, but he shot fake too much. <laughs> Would you just shoot? Please, for the love of God, just shoot it. Just shoot it. 
<laughs> Sorry, Wade Looking Bill, if you ever listen to this. Uh, <laughs> he burnt the 45-second shot clock one time, I think, on shot fakes. He was the master of the shot fakes. He was the master of the shot fakes. So. Oh, good stuff, buddy. Uh, yeah, no, that, that was a good question, Tony. That was a good question. Uh, yeah. Now I know what to do. Yeah. Don't come up with one until the last minute. And oh, that hopefully was, something comes to you. One of your one of your better efforts. One of your better efforts. So uh that, that was really good. And I, I think I got four out of I missed Luca and I missed Jason Tatum. So um yeah, so I was hey, I got four out of six and yeah. So what year impressive. was it that they tied it with? Did you did you have that? I did not catch that one, okay. but I'm guessing you're probably right with that yeah. Will era. Yeah, I want to say it was like the early 60s, like Wilt, Elgin, Oscar Robertson, maybe Jerry West. Uh, it was you know, a bad era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a lot of plumbers in that one. No, no, no. They're, they're No, no. So, um, sporting event you're looking forward to this week, buddy? I have been following the play-in games. I watched a little bit. I was shocked. The Hawks beat the Heat Miami last night, and mm-hmm. then I thought the Lakers would end up getting – the T-Wolves, but it was a little bit closer than what I thought it should have been, and then you know, they get that foul called on him, and you got to give Mike Conley credit to knock down all three free throws with a tenth of a second left to send it in overtime, but then the Lakers were able to right the ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I went to bed, and the Timberwolves were up 15. So, oh, wow. Yeah, so uh, that was a good move by me, you know, to, to, to miss out on that, but I was really tired, though, too, because I'm experienced, Tony experience not all seasoned seasoned yes there we go how about you are you i know you're a big big uh baseball guy with the cubs uh, they, took one on the chin today but they're still got a winning record they they, they are six and five right now I, I i will take a uh screenshot of this and and put it up I, I want to it's it's the longest into the season i think that we've been above 500 in quite a while 11 games which that tells you i am a true cubs fan um <laughs> As I was telling somebody after work today, Chicago Cubs are the only franchise in any sport that can win a World Series with the majority of their best players being under 27 and get worse as they get older. I yeah. mean, and they found a way to do it, Tony. But as I've said before, I would I will never give back November 2nd slash November 3rd, 2016, uh, an evening forever etched in my memory. Hopefully we're building it back. Resigned, uh, Nico Nico Horner signed a, an extension today, uh, three years, about sixty million or so. So uh, you know, they're, hopefully they're moving things back in the right direction. It's the ebbs and flows of, of franchises in most sports. You know, there's there's very few San Francisco 49ers or New England Patriot twenty year dynasties that are making that run for that long. So um, I can't complain about that. Well, I guess I can. Bill Simmons says you have five years where you can't complain. If your team wins a championship, you can't complain about your team for five years. And now this is year seven. So I can start complaining again about the Cubs. So there you have it. There you have it. So do you think the Rays are gonna run the table and go one sixty two and oh? They may do it. They they may they may do it. I I, I would not be shocked. I mean so um no, uh, watching that, you know, obviously watching a lot of basketball, watched the WNBA draft a little bit the other night. Um, you know, probably gonna, if my wife will, uh, tolerate even more basketball on the, on the, on the, uh, television, um, watch a little bit more, not going to push it this week, but when we get to the weekend, I'm going to want to watch some, some games gun to your head, Tony, who's your pick to win the NBA championship? 
I would take the Bucks. Not a bad guess. Or, yeah. Who, who about you? I think that would be your favorite, especially if they could get Chris Middleton back and, and really going, but he's still not really going the way that he should be going, and they still ended up with the best record. But the postseason's a different beast. But you know, basketball, sometimes it's just really, really simple. If you have the best player, you're going to win more often than not. And in my opinion, and I know Embiid will probably be the MVP, and I think Jokic is awesome. I love watching Jokic play. But Giannis is the guy that I would fear the most going against. And that Milwaukee has him. Um, I, I think whomever comes out of the East, though, um, they're going to be pretty beat up. So I think it does open the door for like a, a Denver, if they can kind of get back and going. Um, I've always been a little bit of a closet Denver Nuggets fan, back to the Alex English, Kiki Vandeway, Dan Issel days. Um, with Doug Moe. With Doug Moe, yes. Um, so, you know, if if they could find a way to kind of get it going again, uh, Memphis is, they've got a couple key injuries, and Sacramento's new to the party, and, and Golden State has been kind of a mess, and, and Phoenix has only had their team together for about 20 minutes. You know, but but I I think if like a like a Denver could kind of take care of business in the West, and then have Boston, Philadelphia, uh, Cleveland, and Milwaukee uh, beat the crap out of each other for for a month, that's going to be a big advantage to that team coming out of the West. Uh, kind of like the way Boston was just kind of worn out at the end of the year last year against Golden State. Um, I still think that you know. Those two seven game series that the Celtics played against the the Bucks and the Heat, uh, I just don't think they had anything left in the tank by the time they got to Game Five, Game Six of the Finals there. And and I'm not I don't want to take anything away from Golden State, but it's kind of like that. Uh, if you win your first round game at the state tournament comfortably, that's a heck of a lot easier for you to play that semifinal and the final rather than having to grind it out for for three full games in the state tournament. That kind of thinking there, Tony, is where I'm going with that. I, I could see that. Uh, you know, I, I look at the West, and you, know, you take a look at those those top groups. You go number one. You mentioned the Nuggets. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they've been to the Western Conference Finals somewhat recently. Yep. Memphis has been good the past couple, two, three years. Sacramento's new to the party. Yep. You know, could could Golden State and and the Lakers, you know seeds i want to say golden state six and i think the lakers are seven yeah could those two actually be the two that that are the bigger threats out there yeah and then like you mentioned the east is very top heavy um with with those guys but i i think the only real threat i see to milwaukee in the east would be the celtics i don't think the sixers and cleveland is still you know young and new enough yeah, you know, I th- I think Milwaukee would be able to get both um, Cleveland and Philadelphia. I could see in five at most six games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Boston. I think Boston and Milwaukee are the definitely the two best teams, and I, I think it's going to be harder for let's say Boston to to beat Philadelphia again. They're going to have to take the road less traveled to go through that, and and Philadelphia is going to probably be much more difficult to to beat than. Um, you know Cleveland or or New York, you know, and that's where that's the advantage of being the number one, you know, yeah. and that's and that's why that's why those regular season games count, you know. So we'll see how it all plays out. So um, anything else, buddy? 
No, it was it was a good talk tonight. You know, with the, with the exit interviews. You know, whether you're talking about exit in terms of a senior exiting your program, or whether you're talking about exit interviews, putting the the lid on the 22-23 season in preparation for the 23-24 season. But yeah, really good stuff. Um, you know, I, I thought you thought you brought some really good points out, and I would reiterate again if people have not heard that pod that you did with your former players i can't recommend that one enough wow thanks buddy i i can look it up here real quick i think it was around like the 75 mark somewhere around there um that that we did that and uh yeah that was a special night that was that was a special night that 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 we had it was uh just hanging out in my driveway yep that was uh pod 75 so um if you want to go check that out uh by all means do so it, it was it was a lot of fun uh to do that and and it was uh, like i said it, at the very least if if it's not the the george washington on the mount rushmore it's definitely on the face of the mountain there of of my favorite podcast that i've ever done no offense to anybody else that i've ever done one with including you my good friend mr oh, mr feelings are starting to get a little hurt there <laughs> no you're fine you're fine so um well hey this uh, great talk again uh and now you know 14 different number 33s that were Hall of Famers or important players in sports. Uh, great stuff from Tony uh, this week. Uh, good trivia question. Hope you folks enjoyed this discussion. I think it's I think it's really important. Like I said, a lot of you may be already through your exit interviews for this spring, uh, but this will give you some ideas to of things to talk about for your entrance interviews going into next season as well, and and how to handle those and, and ideas that you can bring to the table there. Um, so, uh, episode number 33 for the coaching staff exit interviews. Hope everybody liked it. Tony, we forgot Chad Angel again. We took his mortgage and we betted on the Cleveland Cavaliers to win the NBA championship. uh, Chad, thank you very much for the investment. It is greatly, greatly appreciated by Tony and I. Coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day 